Professor Emerita at Salem State University. Claire teaches in the Salem State Explorers Lifelong Learning Program. She also leads the Poetry Salon at the Abbott Public Library in Marblehead. She is the author of numerous books of poetry and criticism. She has received awards, prizes, and fellowships for her poetry. Her latest book of poetry is one port. Claire, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you, too. I'm so excited. So we've got this book in front of us, and I'm excited, and it's blue and white, very marbleheadish or very North Shore-ish, I suppose. And I've got a few questions for you, and... Answer them as you like, and then you're going to read a little bit. Does that sound all right? Sounds fine to me. Okay. So a simple question, I hope. Claire, how do you start your day? I start my day by meditating. It's uh, something I've done for decades. I meditate in the morning, and then I meditate again in the evening before dinner. So um, this settles my mind, and it also opens my mind to whatever may come in. So, And you write. So where, when, and how often do you write? I write at my desk in my study. And um, I can tell you that I write every day because I keep a journal, and I write in my journal every night. And I've got stacks of journals that go back decades. So um, I write every day. Now, when I'm writing a poem, um, that's, a different, that's a different story. It's a different frame of mind from keeping a journal. And you write poems every day. I'm just curious. No, okay. I do not write yeah. poems every day. I think about poems every day, but I don't write them. Okay. And in your journals, are, is it a page? I mean, do you have a, a, a certain amount of that you need to do, or you just, how do you do it? What I, I discipline myself with is to keep it to one page. But I find that what I'm doing is writing smaller and smaller so that I can fit it on one page. Um, the other day I thought, I, I can't deal with all of this, all that's happened today. I'll write about one incident that was pretty interesting to me and just put that down in there. And as you might expect, that I find material from my poems in my journals. Yes, yes. Now this is an extra question. I just am so curious. With your journals, do you go back and read them? I do infrequently go back and read them. Wow. Okay. I guess, well, you already answered a bit of this next question about your journals, but how do words and poems come to you? Um, let me talk about how do poems come to okay. me. Yes. And then the words sort of come out of that process. So, um, 
a poem can come to me uh, when I'm walking down the street or when I'm driving in my car. And I would actually like to read a poem that's in my book, One Port, and it is the result of a journey to Market Basket, where I buy my groceries. Okay. And this is a poem called Listening to Billie Holiday Sing Blue Moon. The song comes on as I'm turning left at the intersection. It could be any song, but only that voice. There are other cars, a shopping list. The voice is confident. It says, I'm singing and you're listening. It says, you want to listen to me because there is something in my voice that reaches inside you. It's a lonely voice. It says, if I didn't sing like this, you would leave me standing alone. It's a troubled voice. It breaks, it shatters, comes back together. Somebody whispers, please adore me. Billy sings, and she's an old friend who hasn't called in months. The voice so familiar, the song romantic, her aloneness, her longing. It's midday and spitting rain, yet she sings beneath a moon that turns to gold. And my route past the cemetery, with cars pursuing me to the next traffic light, seems less real than the pulse of her voice, the slight crack in it, as she repeats, without a dream in my heart. I sing with her, measuring my pace with hers, adopting her tone, the tender inflections that suddenly appear before me. And I'm not on the road passing the old quarry, but in a club somewhere in Harlem, and I lean into my microphone and hear someone whisper, please adore me, before I get to the turn at North Shore Self-Storage. Billy, stored on vinyl, broadcast, received, and my route turns from blue to gold. That just describes so well that idea when you get caught up in a song as you're driving. Mm -hmm. And that happened. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I'm also a singer. Oh! So, um, and I usually sing in the car anyway, so it's, uh, it's not a stretch for me. Oh my. That is just, I, when you said it became more real, the singing than the driving. I yeah. just thought, oh my gosh, that's so true. Mm -hmm. So that's where the poem came from. That's where the poem came from. Yeah. Just, just that root to the old market the basket. The root to the market basket, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so nice. <laughs> How did you develop as a poet? Um... I developed as a poet from writing my journal. I was going through a period of some distress, and I was talking to a friend of mine, a woman who taught with me, and she taught early American literature. And she said to me, 
when she heard that I was sort of feeling kind of sad and didn't know what to do, she said, well, you know what the early American colonists used to do? They used to keep journals. Why don't you try keeping a journal? And I said, that's a good idea. So I started keeping a journal. And then out of writing, sort of like a, just a, with no stress on it, I was just, keep, I had this little journal about the size of my, my book, One mm, Port, yes. and I would fill up a little page, and then I would continue doing that. And out of that came the sense, so I can write these things down. I'm a professor of English. I was teaching poetry all the time. I knew my poetry, and I thought, well, I'm going to try writing a poem. And so that's how I evolved. That's how I began, and then I just kept going. In, in addition to writing sort of personally and privately, uh, I started to connect with other people who were writing poetry. And we would, we would get together and we'd read our poems to each other. And that is something that Reach Arts does as well for writers who, who get together and they read their poems and they ask for criticism if possible. And that was really important to me. And, and that made a difference for you, just not, not being this kind of, on your own sort of writing for yourself. and Oh, absolutely. Oh, nice. It's so important yeah. to, you know, and when you write a poem, it's usually not a tome. It's usually on one page and people can handle that. You can handle that in a in a gathering of friends, maybe two hours or so. And I, I've always had a community of writers. Uh, actually, that's how I met the publisher of One Port, Javi A. Wong. I attended the um, Salem Writers Group at the Salem Athenaeum, and he was there. Um, and then he started coming to my poetry salon at the Marblehead Library, and I got to know him better there. All right. All right. Huh, that's so interesting. A gang. You need your little... Yeah, you need your you, gang. You need your gang. Excellent. Right. <laughs> I like that. Okay, and what about the process of pulling together your latest book, This Book, One Port? How? What was that like? Describe that process. Well, it started, once again, with Javi. Okay. Um, Javi, uh, at this point, had known me for a couple of years, and he invited me to submit a manuscript this doesn't happen, usually. Usually, uh, in the past, what I've done is I've put together a manuscript and I've sent it out to various contests. Nobody has invited me to enter a contest, but Javi said, um, I, I like your poetry, and if you could pull together X amount of pages, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. His, um, his notion of what he does at Derby Wharf Press is to have poems that are that have some local color to them. Okay. Yes. And um, that's so when I was putting together my collection, I deliberately chose poems that had some connection to the North Shore. Not all of the poems in here are, are that way, but many of them are, like January in Massachusetts, 
um, Lighthouse Point, Marblehead Neck, yes. um, Crosswalk, Marblehead. So, let me read this one. It's, okay. it's short. Sure. And um, this is also another illustration of how do I write my poems, because Crosswalk, Marblehead. Death to liberal maggots, his sign reads, its ragged script slashed onto poster board, and to Muslims and commies and gays, and anyone else who offends this man in my town patrolling the sidewalk, his sign thrust out in front of his body like a knight's breastplate. Driving by, we can barely control our outrage. Someone calls the police. He's exercising his freedom of speech, they respond, weary of the same complaint week after week. He's not twerking or doing anything obscene. He's not on TV nor on Facebook or Instagram. This is no tweet. Our man is an outlier, a throwback minus the charm. His only mistake is wanting us to slow down. We whiz by too fast, our trips to Starbucks or the gym more compelling than some repulsive kook brandishing a sign. He pauses in a crosswalk a little too long and stops traffic. The police warn him not to do that. He obeys and resumes his frantic pace flaunting his vitriol at scumbags who advocate Black Lives Matter. Doesn't he matter? And who dare tell him any different? Mm. So um, this is a way that something that I just encountered on my daily excursions around town. Yes. And it really intrigued me because it just seemed out of context in bucolic marblehead to have somebody doing this but walking around with a big poster yeah, in front of him but he offended people <laughs> i guess all protesters offend somebody or other yes. and um he continued to do it and he has the right to do it yes. and we we need to remember that one has the right to protest Peacefully. Yes, yes. And not stand in the crosswalk for too long. No. <laughs> so. Um, you, I have to say, I do love your pizza joint poem. And that really is just going to the pizza joint, right? Right. So you, you're just noticing what's there or who's there. Exactly. Um, and just the sandwich that you like so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is wonderful quirky place in Salem called the New York Deli and Pizza, which is such a misnomer for what it actually is. Uh, but it is a deli and pizza, and why not call it the New York Deli and Pizza? So I have this poem. Oh yeah, read it, read it. About one visit there. I've been there many times, but this is just one visit. Metal pans strike each other, and wall speakers blast familiar pop rock. This is not New York, not even close. The war murals depict city towers and bridges. Lady Liberty holding her torch high. My favorite cook 
chats with a customer, his words lost in the crush of people. Wait, wait, a young man cries out, blasted across his chest, the letters S-T-A-R-S against a black background. The first two episodes are awesome, he proclaims, climbing over two chairs, friendly-like. In the next booth, a dad clamps on an impressive headset, ignoring the child opposite him. A man in a motorized chair pushes forward. Stars gets up to shift a table, clearing the way. A nice guy. Is that a ballad on the loudspeakers? Not for long. A thumping rock resumes. A plump woman turns out to be Wheelchair's girlfriend. She joins him for a slice. Her arms bare and fleshy like plus-size sausage. Part of this motley crew, I enjoy a hefty BLT and sip a blue moon. A child slumps on the floor by the freezer, its tantalizing rows of soda cans. Does she long for a Coke the way I longed for this BLT, this beer? Looking up, her mother studies the menu high on the wall while headphone man rises to leave. On his t-shirt, a skull-like image in slashes of fierce white. Salem can be a weird place, particularly in the fall. He departs with the child. Four women take over his table, two of them sporting crew cuts and black t-shirts. For dessert, I gaze at their neatly shaven napes. So fun. That is just so fun. I love a joint. I love a joint. (laughs) Okay, I have a final question for you. If you could go back in time and talk to an earlier you, what would you say to yourself? Um, I would say to myself, don't give up. You're discouraged because the poems that you submitted to some remote, obscure journal were not accepted. But, you know, you're learning. No matter what you do, you're learning. And you will write more poems, and you will write better poems. And this vocation that you've chosen will stay with you and be a mainstay for you for the rest of your life. I think that's good advice for all of us. (laughs) Thank you for that. Now, have you got a favorite poem in your book that you're going to read to us? I would like to read something that's not local color. Okay. I dedicate this, my book, to Jay, who was my husband. And he went through... Parkinson's disease, and it was terrible. And then he passed away. And there are poems in here which are really about him. But also, they have local color. So (laughs) they fit that criteria, too. And the last poem in in my collection is called Water Love. It goes like this. 
the longed-for summer, stand-up paddlers spreading out from the beach, shrieks of laughter or fear because the wind shifts, waves lap their boards. I remember water love from my childhood, seizing the pond between my legs, my arms, loving the embrace. Rows of kayaks in their racks, a truck hauling a powerboat to the launching ramp. On the beach, a dog slithers into the water to fetch the yellow tennis ball his mistress has thrown. He will return to her, whatever she throws. She tosses it again and again. He retrieves it and drops it at her feet. It's a matter of devotion. Cape Ann in the distance, my husband and I sailing. He handles the tiller. I mind the jib, pulling it tight. The moment held so tightly in the dream, my hands never learn to let go. At Waterside Cemetery, I yank crabgrass spreading onto his grave and fling it away, then tuck in some alyssum from the garden at home, a fragrance he loved. What a beautiful, beautiful honor for him to yeah. have that written. Yeah. Very nice, thank you for that. Uh, we're going to have to end, but we're going to talk again. You know that. I don't know when, oh. but we will talk again. <laughs> okay. And so before you leave us, is there anything you'd like to say? I am so grateful to Javi A1 and this press that he has begun in Salem. And it's a Derby Wharf light box, so it's named after um, a piece of... Uh, local yes <laughs> architecture let's call it that and uh, I think that the press is going to develop and grow and it's it's just wonderful that he supports local writers absolutely and I'm also grateful to you for paying attention to um, to my book and to me and what I'm trying to do I really appreciate it well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.